0: Hey, good morning. Good to see all of you. Glad that you're joining us here in God's house. Those that are joining us online, it's Sunday and we get to worship together. I love Sunday and the opportunity that we have. So we're here to inspire people to be wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ, people who are going to love God, love the church, and Love the world uh, before we get started here, I just want to ask if you would uh, keep Pastor Andy in your prayers this week, Pastor Andy's going to have a medical procedure, and uh, he asked me this morning if he if I would ask our church family to be lifting him up in prayer. So if you could jot that down and pray for him, I know that he would appreciate that uh, there's this moment in the, the Hobbit, in The Lord of the Rings, where this, this royal elf by the name of Gadriel, Gadriel asks Gandalf this question. She says, why the halfling? In other words, why did you choose a hobbit to carry the ring? And Gandalf responds like this, I don't know. Saruman believes it's only great power that can hold evil in check. But that's not what I have found. I've found it is the small things everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keeps the darkness at bay. Simple acts of kindness and love. Why, Bilbo Baggins? Perhaps it's because I'm afraid, and he gives me courage. The most unexpected power in the universe comes from the least expected place, and that reality gives us courage The Apostle Paul says there is something that has happened in reality that has turned everything upside down and turned it on its head. And it's silly. It's crazy. It's foolish. It's the foolishness of the cross. The foolishness of the cross. So what we're going to have here is... Paul, talking about these different ways that we can live our life in 1 Corinthians, he's going to say, you, you can live your life by words of wisdom in the world, or or you can live your life by the word of the cross, the simplicity of the gospel, the fact that God became human, saw people in their need and came to earth in the form of Jesus Christ and died on the cross for their sins and rose from the dead so that they can have life. That's crazy to some. It's foolish to others. But this is the mystery of God. This is what we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So open your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We have now made it to verse 18. This is what we read. For the word, now the Greek word for word is logos. So he says, for the logos of the cross, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. So the message of the cross is ridiculous. It's ridiculous to people who are perishing and dying without Christ, but for those of us who have received the truth of the cross, it is the power unto salvation on display. It is a beautiful thing, the cross of Christ. And I think the reason that it is foolishness to the world is because the world has such a high opinion of itself. In the world, we think that we've arrived intellectually and anything like this would be beneath us. We have an elevated opinion of who we are and our understanding of what this world is all about. And so, you know, this world system, we've got a complex knowledge of who God is. And then Paul comes along and says, no, I just, I want to give you the simple message of the gospel. You're a sinner. You need a savior. God sent his son who shed his blood on a cross, rose again, and you can have faith in him and you can live forever. And the world says, well, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. And one thing it is not is complex. It's not hard. It is very, very simple. So Paul, when he comes into Corinth, into a world that's filled with words and filled with philosophy, he comes real simply He says in verse 17, I didn't come to you with eloquent eloquent words of wisdom. I didn't come with lofty speech. I came with the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of the cross. He, He starts out and he gives them something very concrete, something historical, something that they could point to, that they could see it is simple. It is Christ crucified for them. And this is different than what the world offers because the world offers all kinds of religions, And every man-made religion is complex. And I think the reason why religion is complex is so we can pat ourselves on the back. I think we make religion complex because of our pride. We want to be able to say, look how hard I've been working for my salvation. Look how good I am as a religious individual. Look, look at just how complex it is. And so if you're going to actually come to God, if you're going to get to him through the cross, you've got to diminish your pride. You're going to have to crush your ego. If you're going to come to the cross and receive salvation, it means you're going to need to humble yourself and ask for forgiveness. And that is a problem for people people who have pride and yet the world system and our philosophy and in our wisdom we think that we have attained this secret knowledge and we know how life works and so we rest on pride and philosophy and wisdom but when you finally get this understanding that i need to come to the cross of christ As crazy as it might seem, but I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to repent of my sin, and I will humbly receive the shed blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness and the washing of my sins away. That is the moment that everything begins to change. And when you begin to define your life by the cross, the world then begins to look at you and say, well, that's stupid. You're crazy. You're foolish. And that's the moment we need courage. That's the moment where we need to be able to stand up. It says here, this cross, it's silly. For those who don't trust Christ, they trust their own wisdom. They trust their own philosophy. And so when you have a Christian in front of somebody who's cultural, an atheist, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, well, that's really dumb. You're stupid for doing that. But why do they reject the cross? Why is it that somebody would reject the simple yet powerful message of the cross of Christ? Look back at verse 18. Why are they doing this? Why would they do that? Paul says they reject the cross because they're perishing. Their eyes are blind. They can't see. So if you're here and you reject the cross of Jesus Christ, it's not because you're so smart. It's because you're perishing. You're dead spiritually. I wasn't rejecting Christ in my past. I wasn't rejecting Christ because I was brilliant. I was rejecting Christ because I was dead dead in my sins, dead in my transgressions, living life on my own, being prideful in my heart and not submitting to the truth of who God was. It's not because I was bright. not because I'm brilliant. It is because I was full of me. But when the Spirit of God comes in and moves on our heart and moves on our spirit, now the cross becomes beautiful now it becomes something else to us. Now when you see the cross and you get the gospel and you understand who Jesus is and who your heavenly father is, now you begin to shape all of your life around this biblical authority. And you begin to look through the lens of this biblical authority and you apply it to your dating and to your marriage and you apply it to your sex life. You apply it to your ethics and to your character. It begins to change everything. And without that, without the wisdom of God through the power of the cross working in your life, all you have is just worldly wisdom. All you have is the philosophy that the world keeps spitting out. And our culture right now is twisting itself up in knots in all kinds of areas. Like they're twisting themselves up just trying to figure out what's male and female. I'm going to speak for myself, just, just Chris, in my own personal frustration. Sometimes it feels like I need a playbook when we're going to follow the science. <laughs> now, that's just, me, that's just me talking. We have to ask, like, are we going to just swallow whatever pill the culture is going to give us? Or will we continue to look to God's Word and say we're people of the book who have been transformed by the cross, Of course they're going to say, well, you're stupid, you're foolish, they're perishing, right? Are we just going to accept these things as cultural, or will we continue to look to God and to his word? Like, who had on their bingo card that Genesis 127 was going to be, like, the most controversial verse in a generation? God made them, Genesis 127, male and female. Those are binary realities, right? Like, he's making dark. Light, land, sea, male, female. There's this rhythm thing that is going on. And yes, when we're talking about this kind of thing, yes, we need to be loving. We need to be caring for anybody that would come along and they've got some kind of dysphoria or identity confusion. Can you understand? Can you just imagine how hard that must be for individuals? Imagine what's going on in their heart and their mind, so yes, with a heart of Christ and love, we look at individuals and we want to love them and care for them and like begin to identify and understand. But the culture is saying your sex is what you're born with. Your gender is what you choose. Again, we need to be pastoral and caring and loving, but it doesn't mean that as Christians, we just take the cultural narrative, we read the teleprompter and fold in the face of reality. We have a different standard. We look to God and his word. We don't look to human wisdom and philosophy and people look at us and they go, well, that's stupid. They're going to look at us and say, you're foolish. And in fact, me talking about this, right? Even bringing it up, talking about this issue of male, female, transgender, ever bringing up something about homosexuality. What happens in that moment is you have a culture that says you're blaspheming our culture. And it stands, you are standing opposed to the, the the direction that all of us are going. How could you? You're foolish. I'm foolish. I'm very well, maybe foolish, but I prefer to be foolish for Christ than foolish in living in the world. And so we must be people of the book, people with heart, people who care, but we engage in the conversation, and we don't just simply let the culture or government, or anything else, steamroll over the truth of who God is. Verse 19, Paul writes, for it is written, where is it written? It's written in Isaiah 29, 14, where it says, I, God, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And the discernment of the discerning, I will thwart. So you're going to live your life, you're either going to live your life by human wisdom and philosophy, you're going to live life by the word. And so over and over, Paul is going to be coming back to this idea of wisdom. Today's kind of real foundational as we talk about wisdom and philosophy of the world and things that he's approaching here. Wisdom, right? What's wisdom? Well, wisdom is we think, wisdom of the world, we think we can have it figured out. Like we're smart enough and we can parse through this life and we can lead and live by our own rationale and understanding. But I'm telling you, if you go by your own rationale and your own understanding, you can wind up in a world of hurt you just follow your own own understanding, whatever you might think, that can lead to trouble because we can look back over history and we can see all sorts of things that we thought at one time was true, which turned out to be completely wrong, right? We'll go down a certain direction, then we get more information, we discover, well, that was wrong, right? We, We are so prideful in thinking that we have everything understood that if we can just reason then we'll we'll have all the answers. And if I can't reason, then it's not real. Like if I can't reason that there's a God, well, then there must not be a God. But that's not the case because we're not smarter than this God. And we would never, we would never get to the answers of life. We would never get to the cross based on our own understanding and, and a narrative that we would make on our own. This is the wisdom of God at work. But our culture is so prideful. Like I can figure this life out and I can think through it all. He goes on verse 20. Where's the one who's wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Now, again, Paul's writing this from Ephesus around 55, 57 AD, and he's writing back to Corinth. So 55, 57 AD, there's a lot that's already happened historically. We've already gone through some pretty deep thinkers. We've already gone through Aristotle, Plato, Socrates. They were alive around 300 to 100 B.C., And these people in Corinth, they could just go 45 miles down the road and they could get to Corinth, like a hub of knowledge, a hub of philosophy and wisdom. And so these people were well acquainted with what wisdom is and what philosophy is. And so Paul says, he's going to say this in verse 25, as smart as man thinks that he is, God is way smarter. You are nowhere near as smart as God and you are nowhere near because God's weakness is stronger than man's strength. But every generation comes along, and we keep thinking, man, we're it. Like, this generation, we're the bee's knees. We're the generation that's arrived. We're so much smarter than all the other generations that have come behind us, right? It's interesting. You ever watch the History Channel? You, you read some articles, and you have people who are doing archaeology, and they look back, and they're like, well, how'd they accomplish that? That's amazing. We're smart. They weren't smart. We're evolved. We're so much more enlightened. And as enlightened as we are in our culture, like we have all of these scientific discoveries, and that's fantastic. We need to make more scientific discoveries. We we need to keep diving and delving into science and discover. And Christianity is not opposed to science. We're in favor of science. Who started this war with science, with faith. We're like, give us the truth. Let's dig in, let's find, let's discover. What matters is the starting point. What lens are we looking at these facts? Because if you look through a particular lens, facts are facts, and you start with this is the information, depending on your worldview determines where you're going to end up. And so we start looking at, okay, look at these discoveries, and what happens is in science, in culture, we find these discoveries, and we keep trying to distance ourselves from God. We make all these discoveries, and we fail to acknowledge that there's a creator. Like there is a creator who caused all of this to exist, and we try to find ways in our bright minds and in our enlightenment to keep pushing back on this God, and we keep pushing him into some some corner, and what we're doing is foolish, Paul would say. We're not as bright as we think. We think we've arrived. We're so much smarter than everybody else. All those other generations, they didn't get it. They didn't understand. No, we're enlightened. We've created this culture. We've created this mindset. We're so smart. We're not smart. We have more information now, but that doesn't mean you'll have more knowledge, and it most definitely doesn't mean you'll be wise. I remember watching uh, some time ago Jay Leno. Jay Leno. And so uh, Jay Leno used to do this man-on-the-street kind of thing. Anybody remember those? Like, he would go out, and he would ask people on the street these questions. I remember one night I was watching—now, this is some time ago when people weren't smart. Um, (laughs) Right? Like, no, I'm smart. He went out, and so he was asking questions about the Bible. And he he stopped these two ladies. They they were about college-age women. And he asked one of the ladies, he said, "Uh, could you name one of the Ten Commandments? And she said, freedom of speech. He turns to the other lady, and he says, complete this sentence. Let he who is without sin, she said, have a good time. (laughs) Then he finds this guy, and this guy gives a real confident answer. Uh, Jay goes, "Uh, who, according to the Bible, was swallowed by a whale? He said, Pinocchio, (laughs) right? Now, if you don't know the answers to those things, I'm proving my point right? Like, we think we're smart. We're thinking, oh, I've got all the knowledge and wisdom, and I'm bright, and I have it all down. We're not that bright. And these Greeks, the people that Paul was interacting with, man, they loved knowledge. They loved philosophy. They were in love with it. Greek culture was just like, hey, let's debate. Let's think. Let's have these conversations. Let's get smarter. Philosophy, and they were all, the thought was there's about 50 different uh, schools of thought around philosophy, and they love philosophy. Even the word philosophy means Love of wisdom, right? Phileo, love. Sophie, Sophia, is wisdom. Philosophy, love of wisdom. And so they love talking. They love talking and thinking and coming up with these different groups of people. And they would begin to identify with certain camps, certain philosophies. And then when these individuals become Christians, when the church was started in Corinth, they all come in and they had all these different philosophies from the world that they were believing Even though they had this common unity, community around Jesus Christ and the cross, they would continue to divide themselves up in this cultural philosophy and says, hey, Paul comes he says, look, since you've been united in Christ, we don't need to be divided among leaders. We don't need to be divided among different philosophies. We have the cross and we have Christ, but they continue to divide up and that happens today. Right, Even in the church, we have all kinds of different philosophies that we bring in here about politics. Right? Some, some of us have different politics. I have different politics than you. My, if I ever say something that's political, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's biblical. I just need to be biblical. I can be completely wrong. You could be wrong in your politics. It's a philosophy. There's a philosophy of education. There's a philosophy of economics. All those kinds of things we begin to divide up, and and it's just human wisdom. It's just human opinion, and it seems like we've got a plethora of that going on right now, a whole bunch of human opinion that's getting out there. Everybody wants to be heard. Shout, 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 shout. Never listen to anybody else. Type in all capitals on your social media. It's human Wisdom. It's human philosophy. And human wisdom and human philosophy often stands at odds against God's doctrine. You you may have little nuggets of truth in there, but many times it's just the opposite of the truth of God. When what we really need isn't human opinion and philosophy, we need the revelation from God. And that has been given to us in his word. And we don't need to take our human philosophy and apply it to God's word so that God's word becomes something else. That would be Wrong. Uh, There's a a gentleman, a pastor, and I found a quote from him that I liked. His name's Martin Lloyd-Jones. You may have heard of him before. He's a minister in the 1900s. He said this, The whole drift toward modernism—modernism is what they were facing at that time—the whole drift toward modernism that has blighted the church of God and nearly destroyed its living gospel may be traced to an hour when men began to turn from revelation to philosophy— Turning from the revelation of what God has given to us in his word, and we're just going to make up these other things outside of his word and then apply it to his word, right? The the Bible says that God made everything. It's just real clear. God made everything. There's nowhere in here that you find the theory of evolution. It's not in there. Why did it come along? Human wisdom... We're doing our very best to push God to the margin, get rid of revelation, get rid of God. Aren't we smart? Self-help and psychology. That's, that's a human philosophy. You mix Freud with the Bible, like some ingredients out of Freud, some ingredients out of the Bible. Oh, that is a dessert I'm not eating. <laughs> that's a mess. Human wisdom, human opinion, human philosophy has done nothing To take care of our condition of sin. Human wisdom has never made somebody noble. Human wisdom has never transformed a human heart. It is the revelation of God, it is the cross. On our own, what we do is we distort the truth. We take the truth, we twist it up, and we make it fit our needs. In fact, Paul says this in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. I'm just going to read this to you. Romans 1, 25. He says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. That's what human wisdom does. We twist it, we distort it, and we try to make it our very own thing. And I start thinking, okay, why is that? Why, Why do we do it? It's not just our generation. It's been every generation. And we start taking the, the truth, this knowledge about this one true God who has revealed himself to us through his universe, through individuals, through his word, through circumstances. And we're like, okay, we're going to come up with our own thing. Why is that? And I start thinking, well, maybe it's because maybe when we get into heaven and we're standing in the throne room of God and he's going to judge us, right? And we have that in the back of our mind. Everybody has that in the back of their mind. Like there's judgment coming, So you either run from it, try to create this idea that there is no God when you know there is a God. But we see this day coming and we want this ability to say, God, you just weren't real clear. God, God, if you could have been more visible, you can't hold me accountable for this. I can't be held responsible. If you would have just shown up and he says, I did, you crucified me. Oh, if you could just just write it down. He's like, I did. And you distorted it. That's what human wisdom does. We exchange truth for a lie. To let it fit our narrative and our life so we can believe we can get something by this God and we can't. Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God... The world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly, the foolishness, the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. The world and their wisdom never gets to this place of truth. They never know God. What do we get in our own wisdom? We get more wars. We get more crime. We get more hate. We have more injustice. We have partiality. That's a pretty big one. We have unjust weights and measures. We have drugs. We have drunkenness. We have abuse. And even religion can't fix this. We need the wisdom of God. So in the wisdom of God, he permits people to kind of go down your own path. But then God, God accomplishes in a simple sacrificial act on the cross what the philosophers could never do and what we would never make up in our own mind. And he saves us through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ oh, that's ridiculous. It's only ridiculous to those who are perishing. He goes on, Paul says this, for the Jews demand signs and show us us some miracles. Like if we could just have more miracles, more signs, more wonders, well, then I'll receive Jesus. No, you won't. There's this moment where Jesus is explaining this, this parable about hell, but he's also talking about Lazarus and this rich man, and he says, like, the rich man's in hell, and he asks Lazarus, hey, Lazarus, just send somebody back, Father Abraham. Send somebody back to warn my brothers not to come to hell. And then Father Abraham says, they're not going to believe even if somebody rises from the dead. And somebody rose from the dead. We have all the signs, all the miracle that we need in Christ and then he says, uh, for the Jews demand signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom. So they're looking for, like, more intellectual information. Like, if I could just get my questions answered, if you could just answer all of these questions that I have about life and Christianity and the world and evolution and all of these things, if you could just answer every one of those, then I'll receive Jesus. No, you want? You'll come up with more questions. We are seeking, like, signs, like, God, if you would just do this great big huge miracle, then I'll give my life to you. God, if I could just get every bit of information, then I'll give my life to you. No, it doesn't happen that way. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. They wanted signs. They wanted more information. I came to you not with eloquent words, not with lofty speech. I came to you with the gospel, which is powerful enough. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly, foolish to Gentiles. So what he said was, you can live by the logos of the cross. You can have life by the logos of the cross, by Christ. See, the Greeks were wondering, hey, what's holding all this together? What's the glue in life? How did all this get started? Where's this coming from? And both the apostle John and Paul, they're like, what came from the logos? In John 1, he comes along, he says, in the beginning was the logos. The Word, Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And he says, through this logos this speaking, let there be light, let there be, let there be, through this word, through this speaking, all things were made, there was not a single thing that was made that was not made through him, it didn't come along through evolution, it didn't come through other things, it came through the logos, the word of Christ, and then Paul later, he's going to say, it is in this logos, in this word, Jesus Christ, that all things, all things are held together at this very moment, every atom, every cell, being held together by the word of the king of kings, the one who is sovereign and made all things, that that's the answer, they say. It is in the Logos. You are not going to find the answers that you're searching for through your own philosophy or your own wisdom. The answer to life, it is not a principle. It's not even a religion. It is not a philosophy. It is a person. And his name is Jesus. And he died on the cross for our sins. Ridiculous. Only if you're perishing. Verse 24. But to those who are called, called by who? Called by God. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Then he says, for consider, consider. Have you ever stopped to consider? Have you ever stopped just to think? why am I here? Why am I breathing? Why is it that I have consciousness? Why am I even asking these questions? Have you ever considered, have you ever like put down the video game, shut off the TV, take out the earbuds and considered what is meaning? What is this all about? Who is this all about? Don't just go through life drifting through whatever kind of cultural wave is taking you or whatever kind of feeling or emotion that you might have in the moment. Begin to consider. What is this all about? And consider that the answer has been given. He says, for consider, and he's speaking to these Corinthians who who love the Lord, for consider your calling. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise. You're probably looking at one and like, did he just call us dumb? Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. So this moves from the foolishness of the cross to the foolishness of us. There's a foolishness of us. Like if, you, if you're if you gonna take the book of 1 Corinthians and start kind of outlining it, a great outline would be start in verse 12 and start with the foolishness of leaders. You can just kind of jot that in there. The foolishness of leaders. It's foolish to follow some individual who is simply a servant of God, a teacher of God's word, and to hang your faith on that individual when you need to trust in Christ. So that would be foolish to follow leaders. Then we have the foolishness of the cross. It's just ridiculous, crazy to people who are perishing. And now we see the foolishness of us. Paul's going to say to the Corinthians, y'all are foolish. Verse 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. That's a powerful statement. That's a strange thought. Boasting in the power of in God, boasting in, in this power that's in me? Why would I boast in front of God? Why would I boast in the, like, God, you sure are lucky I'm here. You're, you're lucky I showed up to this place. In fact, I'm here, the party can start. God, you're so fortunate that I chose you. You're so lucky. Verse 27, or verse 30 rather. And because of you, you are in Christ Jesus. Well, that ain't right. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Because I'm just foolish. I'm just weak. God takes what is foolish, what is low, what is despised in this world. So Paul comes along, he says, y'all, you're no good. Paul wouldn't last a minute in a bunch of churches these days. You all are awesome. Victors, best life now, powerful. Why would you need the cross? Right? You have everything that you need in you. That's baloney theology. We are in desperate need. We are not strong. We are not noble and rich and have it made. And we're so wise and God is fortunate to have us on his side. And we need the cross. But then when you receive the cross... When you understand what it is and you humble yourself, well, then the world comes along and they look at you and you say, well, you're a joke. You're nuts. And it makes fun of us. Why? Because it's folly to those who are perishing. Their eyes are blinded. We can pray for them, but they're just going to come along and they're going to say, you trust in the cross, you trust in Christ, you trust in the gospel, you believe this, you all, you're nuts, you're crazy. That's where you need courage. And this is the kind of thing that has been happening to, to Christians For a very long time, ever since the beginning. In fact, there was a a discovery that was made at the Palatine Hill in Rome. There's like these seven different hills in Rome. And so at the Palatine Hill, uh, back in 1857, they made this discovery of this building. Uh, It actually used to be the Palace of Caligula. If you know anything about Caligula, there's a piece of work. So anyway, uh, you've got this, this graffiti that they found. After Caligula was there, it became other things, and this graffiti is on the wall, and it's put there to kind of badmouth Christians. And what it is, it's this picture of a cross, and on the cross is a crucified donkey. And they're kneeling at the cross is a Christian in front of this crucified donkey with the inscription that says, Alex Aminos worships his God. Getting slammed by culture? That's nothing new being called names, that's nothing new. Like, you got anything new for me? Oh, you're just going to ridicule me. Okay, got it. Nothing new. Embrace it. Understand, that is what's going to happen in our culture, and we don't need to fold up and be like, "Uh." embrace the cross. It is foolishness to those that are dying. Consider the fact, look, we weren't powerful We weren't smart. We weren't wise. No, God is choosing those things that are weak, those things that are foolish to show off. Right? When Jesus chose his disciples, he didn't go down to the University of Jerusalem and choose the 12 smartest guys in the class. Come on, smarty pants. We're going to go change the world. No, who'd he choose? People nobody else would choose. The people who had never been chosen before. And he walks up and he finds these people who are low and despised. And they look at like, who are these guys? They don't have any knowledge. They don't have any strength. They don't have any power. And that's us. And that's what God did for us. That's how God saved us. He didn't save you because you're so smart and you're so good looking. You've got it all together and you're so rich and powerful. No, the people that are anti-Christ right now are the ones of noble birth and they got power and they've got wealth. Everybody else that God calls is so that we would be able to say, well, it wasn't because of me, because I have nothing, because I am foolish. In fact, God called me when I was spitting in his face. God comes along even when you were a sinner, a rebel to his will, that you were somebody who would just mock Christ and mock Christianity, but then all of a sudden, like a bolt out of the sky, your heart begins to soften, your ears are open, your eyes see, and the beauty of the cross, of the gospel of Jesus Christ was planted. Now it's just beautiful. What I mocked, what I despised. If you are sitting here, you're like... How, how am I even here right now? And God would say, well, it's not because of you. It is because of me. Friend, the answer that you're looking for, if you've ever stopped to consider, the answer isn't more money. The answer isn't more sex. The answer isn't more fame. The answer isn't, man, if I could just get some more logic, if I could have some more philosophy and human wisdom. No, what you need is the revelation of God through the Logos, Jesus Christ who was crucified for you. And that's beautiful. Let's pray. Father, I have no idea what happens in a person's heart. Only you have that knowledge. But I pray for each person that the cross, the cross would become beautiful, that we would begin to understand your deep love for us by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to stand in our place. We have no merit on our own. We have nothing to bring to you. We're not smarter than you. We are not strong enough to save ourselves. We have, we have not enough riches to give you so that we might attain salvation, but you and your love, your mercy, and your grace would hang on a cross and shed your blood in our place. Thank you. Thank you for the wisdom of Christ. Thank you that he has become to us sanctification and redemption, new life.